Sarah, I want to start this episode with a quote from General Douglas MacArthur. It goes something like this. A true leader has the confidence to stand alone, the courage to make tough decisions, and the compassion to listen to the needs of others. They do not set out to be a leader, but become one by the equality of actions and the integrity of intent. Why do you like this quote? And what does it have to do with our episode today? (laughs) I like it because in my opinion, it describes and defines great leadership. My fascination with leadership began at a very young age. I've always been a curious observer of those who influence individuals, groups of people, and whole communities. I recognized very early on that I had an innate ability to inspire and influence. And at times, this natural ability scared me because I recognized how my ability to influence for good was as natural as my ability to influence for bad. And I think that's a line that all great leaders need to learn how to tow, right? It truly is. And as I've grown and matured, my fascination with what I would describe as effective and ineffective leadership has only grown. I've continued to be a curious observer, and several years ago, I started making a conscious effort to take note a little less when I encountered effective and ineffective leadership, knowing that I could learn from and be made better by my careful attention to the qualities that fall into both categories. To date, my list includes over 20 highly discerned characteristics that I believe are critical in helping determine the success or failure of a leader. Hello and welcome to the Leadership Vision Podcast, where we share our expertise in the discovery, practice, and implementation of StrengthsFinder. For more resources about developing your strengths, the strengths of your team, or the strengths of your organization, visit us on the web at leadershipvisionconsulting.com. My name is Nathan Freeberg. And I'm Sarah Schlipperdell. Hello, Sarah. Hi, Nathan. And today on the podcast, as we record down here in the hustle and bustle of our co-working space in downtown Minneapolis, we're going to be talking about five of the leadership qualities from Sarah's list. That's right. The five characteristics that I chose to focus on for this piece are those that I wouldn't define as needing to be innate in a person to leverage effectively. Rather, these are areas in which all individuals aspiring to effective leadership can practice and pay attention to. Exactly. And this list is not exhaustive, Mm -hmm. but it's just a glimpse into some of the things that we value when it comes to the big topic of leadership. So Sarah, the five traits of effective leaders that we're going to be talking about today are, number one, innate capacities and blind spots. Mm -hmm. Number two, or the second idea being that leaders are lifelong learners. Mm -hmm. Third is a leader's ability to have hard conversations and make hard decisions. Fourth, a leader's ability to say, I'm sorry. Oof, that's a hard one, isn't it? (laughs) Totally. And yet maybe that's the easiest one on the list. I don't know. Uh, Hmm. Finally, the fifth and final trait we're going to be talking about today is how effective leaders are able to inspire followers with a stronger, bolder vision of the future. So let's jump in. Sarah, describe for us what you mean when you talk about an effective leader as having innate capacities and blind spots. Yeah, well, I truly believe that effective leaders are equally aware of their innate capacities, call it their strengths, and also their blind spots, non-strengths, if you will. That's a polite way to say (laughs) it, I think. (laughs) Yeah, these are individuals who have paid careful attention to the nuances of when they have been successful and unsuccessful. 
They will likely invite and be open to critical feedback from trusted peers and mentors. And in many cases, they have also leveraged an assessment like StrengthsFinder to help inform their self-awareness and to be equipped with the ability to articulate their uniqueness. The most catalytic leaders will take this personal understanding to identify and embrace the innate capacities of the people around them and humbly seek to partner with those individuals to ensure collective success. Yeah, I agree with all of that. But how do you balance the ideas and philosophy of strengths that says, you know, to only focus on your strengths? And also with this idea of being aware of your blind spots. Mm, I guess I'm asking how you do both. Yeah, that's good. That's good. I think it really comes down to practice and paying attention. Practice in moving through things and, and paying attention to how it is you have uh, shown up, how you have approached any given thing, and then you know paying attention to how the people who are impacted by your approach how they responded, um, what was the outcome. And in that, I think we begin to naturally identify where it is we've been successful and maybe where we miss some things. Where, we, where do we misstep? I like that. So it's not ignoring certain things. It's just really paying attention. That's good. Mm-hmm. So let's hit on your second trait here, and that's about learning. Effective leaders never stop learning. No, they really don't. Effective leaders I've seen and worked closely with have never believed that they have arrived. They understand that years of experience and and professional practice mean nothing if at some point they allow themselves to become complacent. They recognize that their area of professional practice is ever-changing and evolving. They also recognize the journey to self-awareness is a never-ending one. Effective leaders will continue to challenge themselves to deepen their understanding of their respective industry and the people who are following them. This posture is critical to inspiring respect and admiration when leading a team. Those being led value the idea that the collective is growing together. Sarah, I read somewhere once that the closer a surgeon is to medical school, the more effective they are. I mean, that's Hmm. super highly way too simplified, but the big idea (laughs) is that the older, more seasoned surgeons are great at doing things the way that they've always done them, but less effective when something new comes across their operating table. So how do you think all of us can stay relevant in our given fields? I mean, what are some practical examples that you might share about this idea of learning? Mm, That's a really good example, and I'm not surprised to hear that. I'm actually going to inquire to learn a little bit more. And I think you posed another great question. And I I think I would say, first, it's critical to stay curious and not just in your given field. Read widely, listen to podcasts like this one, subscribe to blogs and journals. That's all the low-hanging fruit. I think to be really intentional about this, all of us need a professional mentor of some form, someone who can speak critically to us in constructive ways, someone who can not only tell us when we've messed up or misstepped, but who can give us homework, so to speak, that will challenge us to expand our thinking about our given topic. Totally. And I also think that peer groups can do this. For example, I'm in a small book group with uh, two other professionals in totally different fields from mine. And we read a diverse set of things, all with the idea to see what connections we can make back to our given areas of expertise. Mm, I I can see that you would really enjoy that. And I think that that's really good. I would also share that leaders uh, that I've seen do a great job of this also practice curiosity about all the roles that make up the teams they oversee. 
they recognize that what is demanded in each role is ever-evolving. And so to truly support all the entities it serves as a leader is to be informed about the nuances of each of those roles. So connected to this idea of finding a mentor, I think is your third effective trait. And that is that effective leaders are able to have hard conversations and make the hard decisions. Are you just talking about giving feedback here? Hmm. Well, partially, but the ability of a leader to say the hard things is immensely difficult. And it is most definitely a differentiator in effective leadership. The reality is every team and organization encounters crossroads and conflict. I've witnessed and I've been part of teams that have eroded because there wasn't one person who was willing to say the quote-unquote hard thing or to make the hard decision. The absence of this practice by a leader, even when it doesn't directly affect you, causes distrust, leading to questions like, if I needed to be made aware of something, would my leader have the courage to bring it to my attention? And will my leader have the courage to advocate on my behalf or on the behalf of the team when it's critical to do so? The absence of faith in a leader leads to disengagement and will erode the health of a team. I feel like we could do an entire podcast series Mm. just on this one point, Sarah. But if you could offer a next step here, what is it? Like, what is something a leader could do today to ensure that they're able to make hard decisions or have hard conversations? Or, or maybe I guess I could ask that in a different way. What's something a follower could do to test whether or not their leader is, is effective in this area? Mm, yeah, uh, you know, I think the first step is just recognizing the necessity. Uh, if, if you're leading teams of people, the necessity to move through these things is a critical first step. And then begin practicing, Re- begin practicing moving through hard things. Um, and, and, you know, if you need help in establishing a healthy practice, a healthy approach to this, you know, seek a partner and um, be open in that partnership to feedback. Uh, what did I do well in this, in the facilitation of this hard conversation? Um, where where could I improve? What did I miss? Um, what was how I showed up? Uh, how was that perceived? And, and how did it impact the people involved? And I would imagine, you know, to your second question, that in most cases, people don't need to test, per se, to determine if their leader is doing this well. They, they probably already know. That being said, If you're looking for a new role or you're going through the interview process and trying to determine if the person you would be working for or reporting to is an effective leader, a few questions that you can ask to garner insight are, how do you respond to the presence of conflict? How will I know when I've fallen short of expectations? What is your philosophy on providing feedback? Do you see a component of your role to serve as an advocate for me and my counterparts within this organization? Yeah, that's all very difficult questions to ask, questions to have asked to you, but mm-hmm. it's absolutely necessary. Yeah. You know what else is necessary, Sarah? Hmm. Saying I'm sorry. Ah, mm-hmm. <laughs> How's that for transition here? <laughs> Our fourth point of effective leadership traits is a leader's ability to say I'm sorry. Isn't this a really, really simple one here? <laughs> well, in short, yes. Uh, it, but, it, you know, it's really about accountability. A true, effective leader is able to consistently say, I'm sorry, which is quite different than just sorry or apologies. To say, I'm sorry, is to acknowledge one's responsibility in what transpired. 
owning that a mistake was made, even if we don't fully understand or agree with the perception of our actions. It's critical to garnering trust and respect from colleagues. To use a phrase like, sorry, is perceived as a cop-out. In the absence of the I'm, there is no assumed ownership. The apology is then diminished due to its lack of perceived authenticity. Over time, the culture of taking responsibility for one's actions and the assumed grace for when mistakes are made is diminished, which will, you know, inevitably erode trust and accountability. Yeah, I, I get that. But what about the leader who apologizes too quickly hmm. or too often? I think sometimes, you know, that can be seen as weak or, you know, maybe inauthentic if they just are constantly saying, I'm sorry, mm-hmm. uh, because they just jump too quickly to the I'm sorry. And I mean, honestly, sometimes people, I think, want to wallow a little bit in that, that grief and maybe make that leader or that person who has wronged them feel bad. Yeah, yeah. Well, you know, I don't think that there's weakness in an authentic apology. True. You know, I think the apology you're describing is, is very real. Um, and it's one that we probably all encounter on a regular basis. And it's what I would call a dismissive apology. We all know an authentic apology when we encounter one. A person sits across from you, they make eye contact, and take responsibility for how they've wronged you. I think we need to do more of this, mm-hmm. um, even even if we think that the other person might be partially to blame for it. Mm-hmm. I think sometimes being the first one to say I'm sorry can really move towards something greater and better. Yeah. So this leads us to our final point, Sarah, Mm -hmm. which is that effective leaders, speaking about moving forward, Mm -hmm. have an ability to cast a clear vision of the future. Tell us about this one. Because I think this is most often what many people think about as the primary role, maybe the only role of a leader. Well, it's certainly critical. Uh, And, you know, I I don't disagree with you that... um, that it is perceived to be the primary role uh, of an effective leader. Um, The most inspiring leaders that I've encountered certainly have that distinct ability to articulate a clear vision. They know where we're going, and they can name the role we all play in getting there. And from vision, in my opinion, comes strategy, role clarity, and organizational identity. In the crafting of this vision, uh, those leaders have likely had thoughtful conversations with all the quote-unquote key players to ensure all parties are on board and in alignment. And without vision, there's no purpose. And in the absence of clear purpose, a team and an organization will revolve around things of inconsequence. I've observed this many times. When a collective doesn't know where they're going, they flounder, focusing on the latest drama or event of inconsequence. Visionaries remind us that we are a part of something bigger than ourselves. They inspire us to grow and stretch, and they celebrate our contributions along the way to assure us we're on the right path. Can you think of a specific example of this? Maybe both someone who has clearly articulated this and someone who hasn't? Yeah, definitely. So um, in my my career before coming to Leadership Vision in a full-time capacity, I worked in the field of institutional advancement. And um, that is the uh, fund and friend-raising arm of most nonprofit organizations. And um, if you're familiar with this work at all, you know that there are things called campaigns. And these are uh, fundraising initiatives where a substantial amount of money is going to be raised in a relatively short period of time. And the, the parameters of these campaigns are often determined and outlined by the administrators and oftentimes board of trustees. And so that comes down the pike 
and an advancement team is charged with adopting this initiative. And I've been part of teams where, you know, I've had two very distinct experiences where a great leader uh, had the ability to adopt this initiative, um, speak and cast vision into this initiative, articulating the roles that each of us was going to play that would lead to the successful completion um, of this articulated uh, initiative. And we were able to kind of form a distinct identity in this time that really made us all feel like we were a part of it. And they weren't only able to do that for our team, they were also um, equipping us with the ability to do the same, to bring those donors and even those internal constituents um, into the fold to make us all feel like we were distinctly a part of something. Mm, that's cool. And, you know, sort of the opposite of that experience was, you know, someone who was unable to do any of that. And um, as a team, we really floundered and swirled around, you know, how we were we going to get this done? And it was painful and just not a good experience. Not huh? a good experience. <laughs> yes. Well, I think yeah. that's such a great example of the effectiveness and ineffectiveness right there of that leader when they can cast that mm-hmm. and how much more, or rather, how harder you and your colleagues are willing to work than when not. So, yeah. Sarah, thanks for sharing these five traits mm. with us. I, you know, I really look forward to talking with you again about some of the other traits on the list sure. as we kind of unpack all 20 plus of them or whatever mm-hmm. that is. And over growing. The, and growing <laughs> over the next, you know, weeks and months here. Now for something very practical for the listeners. Here's what we'd like you to do. Reflect back on your life. You can just stick to your professional experiences or personal, kind of whatever you want, I guess. So who are the individuals that have meaningfully shaped who you are up until this point? Oh, I love this. So which leadership traits did they exhibit that you admire? MacArthur said it well, a person does not set out to be a leader, but becomes one by the equality of actions and the integrity of intent. What this suggests to me is that being an effective leader can take years of practice, many critical conversations, and an unwavering commitment to something bigger than ourselves. So true. Wise words, Sarah. Mm, Wise words. Thank you for sharing your list with us. You're so welcome. It's something I'm very passionate about. (laughs) Yes, clearly you are. (laughs) And thank you for listening to the Leadership Vision Podcast, sharing our expertise in the discovery, practice, and implementation of StrengthsFinder. Subscribe to the Leadership Vision Podcast on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen. For more resources about developing your strengths, the strengths of your team, or the strengths of your organization, visit us on the web at leadershipvisionconsulting.com. I'm Nathan Freeberg. And I'm Sarah Schlipp-Riedel. Thanks for listening.